You are tuning into the True North Church Podcast. Our prayer is that you would be inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information about True North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. Wow. Okay. I can't wait. Uh, could you just actually preach tonight? I'm tired of hearing me. I would love to. Um, all right. So we're going to dive in in just a couple moments and, and teach a little bit about the Holy Spirit. But I just want to kind of give you a heads up. Um, at the end, um, is it okay if we pray in church? Is that all right? Um, we're going to pray, and most people probably don't think they're like on the Olympic prayer team, you know, they're not like that level, but let me make it really easy, all right? We're going to pray because prayer, and not just like a leader praying, but each one of us praying, prayer is the normal way in the Bible that people receive from God. How many of you are people? Okay, that's, a, that's alarming, Paul. Um, but... It's the normal way we receive from God, and probably none of us feel like we're really great at praying, but let me just make it easy. If you're talking to Jesus, talking to God, good prayer, right? If you're not talking to God or you're talking to some other deity, not good prayer, right, okay? Does that make it easy? So prayer usually starts out awkward, clunky, your mind wanders, and you're making a shopping list, and that's totally normal, all right? But what have you found? If you've ever pressed in to receive from God, you just kind of keep on giving it some gas, keep on pressing in, and, uh, and we're gonna pray and seek the Lord, and God is gonna pour his spirit out upon us. For some of you, it will be the very first time that's ever happened, and there's nothing weird, or, you know, God's not gonna, you know, make you pass out and wet your pants or something like that, you know? It's nothing weird like that, but he's here to help us and strengthen us, and, um, and for those of you that have already experienced, God wants you to download the update. So tonight, we're going to be talking about baptism in the spirit or spirit baptism. And then tomorrow night and Tuesday night, we're going to be talking about the giftings of the Holy Spirit. And many of you are going to discover that you've already kind of been operating in some of these things. You just have never put your finger on it. And God's going to call you to that awareness. And he's going to take you deeper and develop those giftings in your life. Because like we sang, like Pastor shared, he's called us to influence the city. And he wants to do it not just through our ability. If God only has to do in our ability, He's got big problems, but he sends his ability on us, and we're going to learn how to flow in those things. A lot of you have had the experiences, unique experiences with God where you've kind of heard him or felt him speak or say or do something, and you didn't step out because you didn't exactly know how to implement that. We're going to look at that, and he's going to really put some handrails on this so we can really go forward in him. So that's kind of what's going to happen. But at the end of the service tonight, um, when we call for prayer, I'm going to invite anyone that wants to be baptized in the Spirit for the first time, or maybe in your own personal history, you had some kind of an interaction with spirit baptism, but for whatever reason, it's always left a question mark in your heart. You're just not sure. If you want to receive for the first time, or you're just not sure if you've received spirit baptism, I'm going to invite you to come up. We have limited space up here, so this is just for the first timers up here, all right? And this is a red hot zone. Um, I'm going to ask you to come up, and if you can, touch your toes against the front edge of the stage. Um, I don't know if you can see it here, but we've installed electrodes all along the edge that just kind of assist. It's wired to the defibrillator in the lobby. And, and so, um, but no, it's just a real easy way for myself and the other caring prayer partners who will gently pray with you. Nobody's going to get you in the Vulcan death grip or whatever, but they're just going to gently pray with you. And you're going to experience Jesus, who you already know as your Savior, and you probably know as your healer and deliverer. You're going to experience him prophetically in the way the Bible describes as your baptizer in the spirit, the one who drenches you and empowers you in his spirit. And it's gonna be real and awesome and nothing weird because you've got a great church. But um, if we run out of space, we might have to like stack up rows and we'll prayer partner. So it might kind of um, uh, be a spot where 
come and receive and experience from him and then maybe make room for someone else. I'm believing God to baptize a hundred or more people in the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, so come and receive. If you've already experienced spirit baptism, you can receive in your seats or pace an aisle or whatever. And some people like to pray in a corner and we find we've got lots of corners here. Um, and so we're gonna press in and receive from him. But everywhere in this room is a place where God is gonna move supernaturally. In fact, it would be very unusual if many of you weren't accidentally healed during the service tonight. Not because there's any special speakers from, you know, Montana and you know, now Pennsylvania for us. We were Kansans for years. But now it's not because, like, somebody from far. Jesus is here, and anything's possible. And, in fact, right where you're seated, would you just join me in welcoming Jesus to be all that he is? Jesus, you're so good. And I just welcome you. Whatever you want to do, whatever you're cooking, we want to partake of. So Jesus, would you come and be more real and more clear in our lives? Help us tonight, Jesus. Everything that you're serving up, we want to receive. And in fact, I welcome your healing grace and presence to fall upon us in this room, Lord, even maybe somebody watching online. Let your healing grace just come and minister to them in their pajamas there. We thank you, God, for ministering your power. Thank you for it, Lord. Come on, just take a second. We've got time. Oh, Spirit of Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. All right. So uh, one more quick announcement. Um, if you're interested, Rochelle and I are personal distributors of Herbalife, and we like to sign... No, I'm totally teasing. Um, uh, if, if you're interested, um, we have back in, in the lobby, we have a whole bunch of books. I won't go into great detail on it, but there'll be a blessing. I think there's, what, five back there? Um, everybody asks, what's the newest one? It's this one, Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove. And this is kind of our textbook for this weekend. I mean, it's different material, but it kind of tracks along with some of the kind of overriding principles we'll be sharing. That's back there. It's a lot of fun. We have our kids' book. If you want your kids to experience the Holy Spirit's power and some other great stuff back there. And then we also, if you don't like to um, read, but you're more of a listener or a watcher, Rochelle has these Holy Spirit digital teaching libraries, and it's got a flip-out USB on it. There we go. Pop it out. And that's like crossing the switchblade. But um, it's, they're back there. And, and on this is all the teaching series we've ever done over the years, audio and video. There's things on every gift of the Spirit. There's a couple series on the anointing, on receiving healing, ministering healing, one that's just full of Old Testament stuff, uh, stuff that will blow up your prayer life in good ways. And um, you can stick it in your computer or stick it in your smart TV or your car stereo is equipped. Um, if you're from Barrow, I guess just stick it in your ear. I don't know. But um, it's... It's back there, and you can get one of everything, all of the books on one of those cards for a special price, and all of those, um, all the funds from that all go to enable us to go overseas in ministry. And so for us, normally, um, in a year, we're about 80% in the U.S. and Canada, and then the rest of the year overseas. And so this year, our major outreaches will be in Indonesia twice. Uh, we have um, in the coming up in the fall, actually, will be our largest scale outdoor Jesus festival in Indonesia, the world's largest Muslim nation. We're just believing God for an outpouring of the Spirit there and just thousands and thousands of people to come to Christ. And we'll be in Africa a couple times. And next week, got to pray for us. We are going to a dark place we're going to a place of witchcraft and open sewage running in the streets, a place called Indiana. You've got to pray for us, all right? And uh, so anyway, take advantage of all that stuff. All right, so um, in fact, would you guys put the picture of my family up real quick, our family? So this is our crew, um, and Rochelle is 
hiding. She's backsliding back in the back back there. Uh, but Rochelle and I um, have three adult sons. On the top left is our oldest son, Braden, and his wife, Olivia. And they were in pastoral ministry, and now they work with the um, Ohio Assemblies of God in their district office and lives a Christian counselor. And then on the far right is our middle son, Dolan, and his wife, Isabel. And they're both pastors on staff at the same church in Austin, Texas. Isabel's the worship pastor. Dolan's the youth pastor. And in the middle is our youngest, Barrett, and he is now in his final semester of studying music um, at SAGU, which is a uh, a school outside of Waxahachie, Texas, or in Waxahachie, outside of Dallas, and he's studying music and, and is involved in uh, directing the worship at the church that he, he attends there. So anyway, that's our crew. We always grew up, they grew up traveling with us. In fact, many years ago, because we've been to this church a bunch of times over the years, we've stayed in your apartment, which is not an apartment anymore, right? But our kids were little. They love, when we told them we were coming here, it's like one of their most favorite churches, all right? So they were a little bummed. But anyway, would you pray for us? Would you remember us in prayer? We really, really appreciate it. All right, so let's dive in and talk a little bit about the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you two questions. Question number one, what is the spiritual status-setting event in a Christian's life? Life. What is it called, that thing that puts you into the family of God? Not all at once, please. Salvation, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of biblical terms. Um, salvation, so, you know, the New Testament um, it was written in the Koine Greek, and there's kind of two main words that are used for that. One of them speaks to kind of the idea of being rescued and made right in, in many terms. And the other one has this holistic idea of being made whole and complete. And sometimes that word is even used when someone is healed. So you kind of get this idea. So it's kind of cool. And then you, in the Gospel of John, you have um, born again, which is kind of a metaphor. You were born physically. How many are born physically? How many were born in a test tube and raised by monkeys or whatever? I don't know, what, you know whatever the story is. Um, so you're physically born, and Jesus says to Nicodemus, hey, now you need to be born again. And then in that same chapter, he even amplifies that, and he says, you need to be born of the Spirit. You were born a flesh birth, now you need to have a spiritual birth. And then in Titus chapter 3, the Apostle Paul gives one of my favorite um, ideas of this, um, Titus chapter 3, verse 5. This, this idea, of this title label of salvation has an extra special um, nudge towards the Holy Spirit's work. And in English, we translate it regeneration, but it's actually regenesis. You know, the Hebrew word genesis means beginning and again beginning. And so he would then pick up this idea about being new creation, new creatures, you know, how many are sitting by a creature? So you got kind of that idea, right, of this second start, this new start, a brand new beginning. The, the, the board is erased and you start from scratch spiritually. Wow. How many are glad you're saved? Yeah? Okay, don't get so excited about it. It's bad, bad for your heart. So salvation is the supreme status-setting event. It is the most important encounter you can have with God. And any other experience that can happen in your life after you're saved or any other encounter with God that you have with him is not, that is, salvation is the most important thing. And there is no degrees of salvation. It's not like, well, when you repent and give your life to Jesus, you're a silver-level Christian. Right? And then if afterwards you get baptized in water, then you're like a gold-level Christian. You receive all the benefits of the silver. Primarily, you don't have to go to hell, which is a good one. And then, but you get additional benefits. You get a preferred seating, which is always more towards the back of the church for people. And then, um, you know, you get a, you know, first dibs at the potluck and whatever in the church. But then if you've been saved and afterwards baptized in water and then additionally baptized in the Holy Spirit, our subject tonight, then you're a platinum-level Christian. You receive all the benefits of the gold and silver, 
Plus, additionally, um, you receive preferred valet parking and a 50% discount on your tithe. And so um, it's, it's kind of a, and, and the coinciding, you know, uh, depreciation of blessing, but that, that's all right. But, um, you know, I'm being stupid with it, but a lot of people over the years have misunderstood our subject tonight of spirit baptism as being like a, you know, I'm a part of the elite club, you know, and like, well, oh, you're just an, oh, you're just a Christian. It's not that way at all. Salvation is everything. And there's only two spiritual statuses possible. We are either lost, not belonging to God, or we are saved or born again or born of whatever label you want to use. We are belonging to God. And I think it'd be super appropriate right now if we just pause and would you just out loud, just begin to thank Jesus that he would save scoundrels like us. Come on, for real. Thank you, Jesus, that you would wash somebody like me. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. You had your waders on and you were going through the sewer rescuing people like us in our sin. And I just wanted to say thank you, Jesus, for your saving power. Thank you that you would adopt people like us into your family. We honor and adore you, Savior of the world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, with that in mind, let's answer the second question. So here this is, now that you're saved, are you interested in a, a deeper encounter? Not to say that your or deeper experience, not to say that your present experience is shallow or anything like that, but how many of you always want to be going deeper in the things of God, right? And then more spiritual power in your life. It's not like saying you don't have any spiritual power, but more and not power to, hmm, I can really control and manipulate things, but power, I can really see my life count and the kingdom of God advance through my life. The problem is that all of us have this interior desire to really live a life of significance and do something good for God, don't you? I mean, it's in there. It's this innate thing, but then you kind of run your own autobiography tapes and you go, oh, well, you know, I mean... I mean, I know with God, technically anything's possible, but, you know, I mean, you know, come on, God. I mean, I've, I've never seen a vision of Jesus, and I, you know, struggling with this, and, you know, I mean, come on, God. I mean, at what level is it, you know, is it a serial killer? Is it, what, more than three, more than four, you know? And we kind of look at our own deficiencies in life. And by the way, I'm not a serial killer, but that was actually something Pastor Lynn said to me before service. It was a legit <laughs> theological question. Um, no, but it's kind of like we look at, well, you know, I mean, I know technically that's possible, but, and then we add all of the algebra of all of our known and sometimes just perceived difficulties and failures and deficits. And, and we take something that's designed very obviously in the Bible that God uses people that don't know what they're doing to do great and mighty things for them. Like, have you noticed in the Bible, everybody aside from Jesus who had a slight advantage over us, everybody else but Jesus, there were some pretty rough sawn people there. Moses, the stuttering murderer running, you know, for his life. You got Abraham, the worst husband in the Bible, you know. I mean, you read the story. You have a marriage conference, you're not inviting Abraham to speak there, right? You got the liar, you know. Jacob, you got, I mean, to go on and on and on and on. You got, in the lineage of Jesus, you got prostitutes and murderers. And I mean, and then he comes to earth and he eats dinner with people like that, you know, because that's kind of what he does. He welcomes us into that transformed life. And so this is, we say, I want to do, oh, I want to live a life of significance. 
And then we have this terminology. We have this terminology in church, this full-time ministry thing. You've heard that before, right? Full-time ministry, called by God in the full-time ministry, which for us means, you know, hey, you're going to be devoted as a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, or whatever it is. And that's kind of technically, when you boil it down, though, that language for us basically means your paycheck comes from a church for ministry, which is kind of gross. I mean, not, the, not that the church provides it, but that, that's what that really means to us. Because biblically, did you know, it is true, God sets aside and tells some people, hey, I want ministry to be the main thing in your life, your main focus of attention. But every one of us as Christians, we are called by God into the full-time ministry. It doesn't matter who writes your paycheck or what your job or skill set is, whether you're a, you know, a colonel or a grand poobah or whether you're, you know, what, whatever it is, whatever you do in life, whether you're a student or you're wherever you're at. If you love Jesus, a source of fulfillment, Christian fulfillment for you is ministry. And the problem is we typically only sign up for the stuff we feel qualified to do. Like, let's say, you know, here at North, uh, True North Church, you were, I was going to say North Point, sorry. True North Church, you were going to um, have like a, you know, in the summer, you're going to have some outdoor carnival-y kind of event, you know. You ever do something like that maybe or a festival or something? Yeah, you don't need to. I'm not giving a suggestion. But a lot of churches do. They'll have like a bounce house for the kids and face painting and free hot dogs and oil changes for widows. And, you know, you just have like a prayer tent and just kind of the idea, hey, come get on the property and let's love on you and, you know, bless you kind of a thing, free haircuts. And hopefully they don't use a weed eater and you have all the things going on. And so you would have on your church app in the olden days, clipboards in the lobby of like, hey, we got 20 different ministries going on. Come on, it's all hands on deck. We need everybody. Go out there, find something you can do and sign up. And you would peruse all those clipboards or scroll through the clip, the, the uh, church app to find, well, you know, I mean, I've never painted faces before. I mean, I'm, I do have a roller in the garage. Maybe that would work, you know. And I don't know, I'm not much of a cook, you know. Um, although I was trained under the, fine Italian chef Sal Manila. Maybe I shouldn't sign up for that, you know? And uh, well, you know, I mean, for me, I like to twist wrenches. Maybe I could help with the oil changes or something. And you and I would typically make the decision on how we would serve, how we would serve based solely on our self-awareness of our own competency. So think about how puny that is, right? But our subject tonight, spirit baptism, erases the qualification of competency to do something because this is where God equips you with his spirit's power to do things you can't do, things you've never done before. And you're not like all of a sudden you're arrogant, like, oh, I now have the secret of the universe and I know, you know, whatever. It's not like that because you still feel like that helpless child inside. But the Holy Spirit stands up inside of you to a taller posture of confidence and bravery. And you begin to hear him and he gives you more boldness. And all of a sudden you see his power and his glory in your life in ways you've never seen before. And it kind of sounds like the intent of God in the Bible. That he would pour his spirit out on all flesh. Young, old, sons, daughters, bond, slave, free. I mean, every social stratus. God wants to pour his spirit out on us and empower us. So with that in mind, we're going to uh, skip a couple slides and just go right to the scripture text. And I want to invite you, anybody interested in losing some weight? Just a little bit after the holidays especially, right? And so 
This is a diet service tonight. I'm going to invite you to lose a couple, burn a couple of calories. Would you stand with me to your feet in honor of the reading of God's Word? You'll burn about three and a half calories in doing that. And uh, we're going to read the Word of God together out loud, big and bold. And here's what we're going to read. We're going to read the part where Jesus has already died and risen again from the dead. He's already breathed into the believers the Holy Spirit. How many know when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you? Whether you feel him or not, he's in there, somewhere between your spleen and your gizzard. He lives in there. And, um, but then, like my favorite metaphor for this is a donut. Anybody ever eat donuts? I've used this illustration for years. Sorry if you've heard it before, but I like talking about donuts. So. But when you and I are saved, God injects the chocolate cream of the Holy Spirit inside of our donuts, right? You have the Holy Spirit inside? But then Jesus promised that you, he would take and dunk our donuts that already has the chocolate of the Holy Spirit inside in the chocolate glaze of the Holy Spirit on the outside. Have you ever, sorry, keto people. Have you ever, no, I mean, seriously, sorry, your life stinks. I mean, it's awful. Um, how can Jesus be your bread of life? That's all I'm asking, how? Um, but ha have you ever noticed in a box of assorted donuts, the ones with the chocolate glaze on the outside just naturally get all over the box and all the other donuts? You're actually gonna read a verse, that, I mean, it doesn't say chocolate, but you're gonna read a verse in a second that explains how the power of the Holy Spirit does that, all right? So Jesus had already died and risen again. He's already put the chocolate in their donuts, but he tells the same people, I wanna dunk your donuts so that chocolate will get all over everybody. And they weren't all called to be official, you know, certified clergy with a pointy hat and all that stuff. They, it was just us, believers, to go and do something great for God. So you ready to read together? Okay, corporate clearing of the throat. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Stop there real quick. Oh, sorry, go back real fast. This is the donut dunking verse. You see that? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit that comes upon you is epipipto in the Greek, fall outwardly upon you, coach you, baptize you. How many know when you get baptized, you get wet? In water, when you get baptized in the Spirit, you get coated in spiritual power. And the outward effect is then you're just naturally sharing the goodness of God, everyone you bump in. You see that? The chocolate gets all over everything. All right, we move on. All right. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, was the sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now our reading stops there, but that's honestly just barely crossing the threshold of what it means to be baptized in the Spirit. God has a lifetime of Holy Spirit encounter, growth, learning, supernatural power for us. Jesus, do it in our lives tonight, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated if you like. If you're a Cowboys fan, you're, of course, dismissed. Well, that's, let's look. Let me give you a definition real quick of what spirit baptism is, all right? So here is, um, I'm kind of 
drawing my attention, looking for, a, I don't see him. Okay. Oh, there you are on the app. So I'm really not trying to, trying to kill you. I'm just, I, I, I was eating lunch um, with him and while the cowboys were going down in flames. I feel so bad. I do. I really feel so bad. Not enough to change, but I feel so bad. All right. Sorry. Okay. So let's give a definition. Go to the next one. Let's give a definition of what spirit baptism is. So what is baptism in the Holy Spirit? Sometimes people will um, interchangeably call this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Spit that out of your mouth because that causes theological problems. Um, it's baptism in the Holy Spirit. The idea of just changing that from in to of makes it look like it's an activity of the Holy, Holy Spirit. But baptism in the Spirit is an activity of Jesus. Jesus is pouring his Spirit out upon you. And the easy way to remember that, because sometimes you're like, oh, no, wrong terminology. Do you get baptized in water or of water? In water, it's the same thing. He dunks you in water. It's a cleansing metaphor, identification. It's beautiful. And when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive more spiritual power upon your life. So spirit baptism is the prophesied empowering of the Spirit. Stop there. Um, who's the greatest prophet of the Old Testament? Moses. Yeah, I mean, he's the big one. He, you know, maybe a runner-up would be Elijah because they're the two that get in the New Testament on Mount of Transfiguration. But certainly Moses. I mean, the dude wrote the first five books of the Bible. You know, I mean, wow. Um, you know, amazing. He would come down from the mountain with like his, the molecules of his face were affected by the glory of God that he was like a human diode emitting light. I mean, remember the Bible says his wife is a poor, I had to say, hey, put a sack over that Moses. I'm trying to get some sleep, the veil on, whatever. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but I mean, man alive, you know. Moses is the first in the Bible to prophesy spirit baptism in Numbers 11, 29. So this is not like a new thing, like, oh, there's none of this business, and then all of a sudden the book of Acts is all about this. It's been the desire of God. Moses said one day in the future, God will pour his spirit out on all of his followers, and all of them will be prophets. Big deal. And then you get, and there's lots of other prophecies in the Old Testament, but the other big one is Joel at the end of the Old Covenant in Joel chapter 2. And that's actually the sermon or the text Peter used to explain spirit baptism to the people on the day of Pentecost. God would pour a spirit on all flesh. Everyone would be involved in supernatural ministry. doesn't matter what their strata or education or age group is. Man, I love it that God pours a spirit out on our kids. And I know we'll do it in the next couple nights as well. But man, how many want God's best for your kids? You know, and bring them, let them experience God's presence here. But this is so cool. Everyone gets in on this, even unqualified people. Even people with big problems. How many are sitting next to someone you're like, big problems, right? Okay, all right. So it's the prophesied empowering of the Holy Spirit. Old Testament, Moses, big one. Okay, so here's a, like a trick question. Don't answer it right off. Who's the biggest prophet of the New Testament? Aside from Jesus. Gotta think before. Who did Jesus say it was? John the Baptist, Right? I mean, the big one, he's like the Ed McMahon, sorry to date myself, or the Steve Higgins, whatever, here, you know, whatever, you know. I mean, he's the announcer. He's the one, he's coming. I'm not, I'm not the host, but he's coming. Get ready, you know. And so huge ministry, the ministry of coming in the spirit and power of Elijah. I mean, this is a big deal. And John the Baptist prophesies spirit baptism. This is such a significant prophecy that it actually gets into the prologue, the beginning of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
The only prophecy of Jesus that gets into the, all of the Gospels that way. A big deal. Now, it's not salvation, but it's an identifying marker of the work of the Messiah. Then who's the greatest prophet of all? Prophet, priest, king, elder, judge, God, son of God. In Spanish, you call him Jesus. Hint, hint. Who is that? Jesus, Jesus right? So Jesus himself prophesies this. We read this in Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Jesus dies, rises again from the dead, breathes the Holy Spirit into the believers after his resurrection. Remember that? John 20. And the tense is it happened at that moment. Empheuseo in the Greek. It's, it's a pickup of Genesis 1 when God picked up the clay sculpture and breathed into that sculpture the breath of spirit of life and man became a living soul. How many know we become alive in Christ when we put our faith in the risen, risen Christ? I mean, it's like God's the best story writer. And so now he says to the same people, I want to drench you, baptize you, dunk you in the Holy Spirit. So this prophesied empowering is, I mean, it's a lot. It's like a lot of people know Acts is kind of the stop-off point for this, but this is rich threaded, richly threaded through the scriptures. It's given to followers of Jesus. This is not salvation. This, the Bible shows us everyone that was baptized in the Spirit it was always separate from and after salvation. Did you know that God has a lifetime of encounter for you? And if you have not yet received the baptism of the Spirit, it doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. It means that God has so much more for you and more all the days of our lives. That was a good spot to say amen. You kind of missed that. No, it's too late now. Don't, don't play with me that way. Okay, so um, it's given for the specific purpose of increased inward closeness. That's not to say you're not close to Jesus. The Bible shows us everyone that received spirit baptism went out of their way to do some extra spiritual drawing near or activity to be closer to the Lord? Like out of routine, like a Sunday night and a Monday night and a Tuesday night, right? Like sewing in a little extra into the things of God. But the main reason is increased outward supernatural power to minister or help people. A new skill set beyond your ability. When you're baptized in the Spirit, you can do anything God tells you to do even if you don't know what you're doing, which is most often for us, right? So beyond that, let me give you two more defining points and we're done here. So first of all, spirit baptism is biblical. All the majority don't pass out. The majority of my teachings are always context and introduction. I just throw them points because you have to have them. Um, so first of all, this is biblical. This is not like some harebrained thing where some, you know, this committee sat in the back room. Let's start out a new kind of church, you know? Uh, how should we do this? Well, you know, the... You know, the Catholics, they like fancy robes, you know, and I'm being silly with this, but, you know, the Presbyterians, they like to dunk babies, and, you know, well, what should we do? I know. Let's have this thing where it's kind of like a drug trip, and you have a funky chicken lion dance thing once a year around the front, and people pass out. Let's do that one. Oh, okay, you know. Now, I'm being totally dumb with it, and the body of Christ is beautiful and diverse, but this is not like some, you know, oh, let's start a new franchise and change the sauce a little bit. This has always been the plan and MO of God. He likes to use people with problems and empower them so that his glory shines and they can relationally connect with God and with other people to see the kingdom and power of God come to earth. And so let me just give you just two insights on this, okay? So first, go to the next one if you would. So the terminology, baptize in or with the Holy Spirit, you could also translate that Greek preposition in, um, is is that terminology is used um, six times in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's the John the Baptist thing. And then Acts 1-5, that's by Jesus. 
And it's really significant because Jesus told the people that had put their faith in him after he rose again from the dead, you have the Holy Spirit inside, but I've not yet baptized any of you in the Holy Spirit. And then Acts eleven sixteen, 16, Peter looks back now 12 years after Pentecost and went the big Gentile baptism in the Spirit, if you know your book of Acts, that's a huge, major thing in the Bible, major prophetic fulfillment. How many of you are not Jewish genealogically? You ought to thank God for Acts 10 and 11, right? Not only can we know we belong to God, but we can also eat bacon-wrapped shrimp and not go to hell. So it's a very, very powerful portion for us. But Peter looks back and he says, hey, the events of the day of Pentecost we read when Jesus dunked the followers of Christ in the Holy Spirit, drenched them, baptized them, immersed them, and robed them, coated them outwardly in the power of the Spirit. And there was a specific supernatural sign. And when it just happened again with uh, the Gentiles there in Acts 10, Peter goes, this is baptism in the Spirit. Well, the reason why this is important is because baptism in the Spirit Though the idea of baptism is kind of metaphorical because there's no actual chocolate or water involved, but it, you're being immersed and drenched in God. Um, a lot of people just kind of go, oh, that just means salvation because that 1 Corinthians 12 passage has some similar language where Paul's talking about the one body, many parts, and he goes, all of us have been baptized by one spirit, the spirit of God, into the body of Christ. And because it kind of shares baptism and spirit, um, a lot of people go, oh, well, that's just always salvation. But that's not what the Bible says. It's totally different language. It's an obviously Paul is talking about getting saved there. And the Holy Spirit plays a big role in our salvation. He cleanses us. He comes to dwell inside of us, making us now the temple of God. You know, I mean, it's amazing. But it's obviously different language. And if, for someone to say spirit baptism is the same thing as salvation, guess who you're fighting just on this slide alone? You're fighting John the Baptist, and I think he can take care of businessman. What do you think? I mean, he was like, you know, uh, doomsday prepper, mountain man, all rolled into one, man, you know. And then you're fighting Peter. That's pretty rough, too, because he'll cut your ear off, right, you know. And you're fighting Jesus on this. So this is a big deal. And then if you really want to get into Acts 15, when all of the early church gets together, to go, did God really accept Gentiles? And they go, well, yeah, he obviously did because they all received spirit baptism with a specific sign. So they have to be saved because you can't receive that until you're saved. Then you're fighting all of the early church. Spirit baptism is a thing and it's a thing for you and for me, right? Okay, so then look at the next one. Um, if you're reading through the book of Acts, this might just be a help. There are five major occasions that are obvious and one that's hidden when people receive spirit baptism. So you have Acts 2, the Jews on the day of Pentecost, believing Jews. Acts 8, um, the Samaritans, uh, which is kind of like some like long-term rub. It kind of goes back to the Old Testament, divided kingdom, you know, kind of stuff. I mean, how many know everybody has somebody they don't like so much, you know? Not me, though, just cowboy fans. And so um, it's, but then, um, then you have Acts 9, the great Saul of Tarsus account, you know, where he's saved and baptized in the Spirit, um, and Ananias lays his hands upon him. And then Acts 10, the Gentile uh, Pentecost. And then Acts 19 kind of concludes with probably the biggest recorded move of God and revival in the New Testament, 
the birthing and, and revival at Ephesus, birthing of the church and revival of Ephesus, where these new converts who had been saved under the Egyptian evangelist Apollos' ministry, now Paul gets there and he lays hands on them and gets them baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then, man, kaboom. Ephesus would grow to be the second largest church in the world, the most influential Gentile church. I mean, like a lot of people think Corinth was a big... Corinth was like little house church with a bunch of problems. But Ephesus was the big one, man. I mean, the founding pastor, Paul, the next pastor, Timothy, John the Apostle served as a pastor there. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a founding member, you know, or maybe not, but pretty close. She lived there in the retirement center that was built on the back of the church. And I mean, amazing. I mean, wow, it was quite a quite an important spot. And so it kind of culminates with this. And then the book of Acts is left open-ended as a literary device to go, hey, I want to invite all of you to continue this. Spirit baptism is a biblical thing, and it's for you and me. Then secondly, spirit baptism is functional. And so this is where we're going to land. So, you know, a lot of people, they go, okay, so I, I, lo- I love the sense of the feeling of sense of God's presence. You know, when we worship and we're singing that one song and we're like, you know, the 15th key change, a smoke on the water, I'm getting the prickly heat and, you know, God's lighting me up inside and, you know, and, and uh, you know, wow, it's amazing. I love to feel God's presence. And most people have no problem with the supernatural work of God. He comes and he heals someone. He sets somebody free. He does whatever. But there's one thing that God does in the Bible that is intentionally designed to be a pride barrier for you and I. And that's the supernatural sign that the Bible associates with being baptized in the Spirit. The phenomena of you and I speaking in a language we don't understand. Right away, the barriers go, well, that's kooky. Well, yeah, it is kooky, you know, to the brain. Oh, that, you know, I, well, I don't know. I heard some stories about how some, you know, some church, they were putting chloroform in the vents and, you know, whatever. And, I, you know, right away, I heard someone forwarded me a Facebook video. Listen, the Holy Spirit's not here to make us weird. He's here to make us like Jesus. And Jesus gave this promise to us. Now, spirit baptism is a lot bigger than just the phenomena and confirming sign of speaking in tongues. But it's just like, you know, kind of when we got off the plane and, you know, welcome to Fairbanks, whatever, although it was encrusted with ice, but, you know, welcome to Fairbanks. And, like, can you imagine if my wife and I got out, we real quick took a sign, selfie by the sign, probably stuck to it, whatever, but, but and like, oh, okay, we've seen, get back on the plane, we've seen Fairbanks. That's just the outer indication of Fairbanks. And the same way, the sign of speaking in tongues is just the indication that it's happened But speaking in tongues is not all that the baptism in the Spirit is. Speaking in tongues is like Fairbanks, but spirit baptism is like Alaska and Earth and the galaxy, you know? It's important and plays a role. The sign plays a role, but spirit baptism is a much bigger thing. Some people go, well, do I have to be baptized? I have some other, God gave me a pass. Well, you're fighting with the prophecy of Jesus and the belief and practice of the apostles. And so, I, you know, I wish when you get baptized in the Spirit, all of a sudden you're praying and all of a sudden your po- pockets just fill with $100 bills, you know? Can you imagine if, if when you're, oh, the sign of Spirit baptism fully being confirmed is that all of a sudden all your wrinkles go away, your cellulite sucks in, you go from having a keg to having a six-pack, you know, and all of a sudden your jowls suck in and your droopy eye, your bald head fills in, your hair recolors, you get the body of Zeus and Adonis, you know, whatever it is, and... You know, your spouse is better looking. Your kids are more obedient. Your car rust dissolves. And, you know, all of a sudden you go out. You came with a Dodge Dart and you're leaving a Maserati. Oh, hell, I mean, all of California would want to be spirit-filled, right? 
But this functional business is super important. What is the essence? What's the essence of the end result of being baptized in the Spirit? What is it? Yeah. Being more like Jesus in outward ministry. And what is outward ministry? It's communication. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, God wants your mouth. Even though your breath is questionable. God wants to speak through us. But what's your biggest panic? Like, okay, it's just us. All the mean, judgmental people stayed home. Um, what's, what's the, you know what it's like to get that nudge inside from the Holy Spirit? Hey, go talk to that person about Jesus. How many know what that's like, right? But what do you do? You get out of it through deflection. Here am I, Lord, send Pastor Mark. Lord, I've not been on a 40-day fast. I don't know what to say. I can't remember, is it apostle or epistle? I get them so mixed up, Lord, you know, whatever. And what do I, I can't think of any scriptures and, you know, whatever. Um, all I can think of is that one about you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. That's the only scripture I can think of right now, Lord, you know. And we have this way of kind of, here am I, Lord, send somebody else. You know what I'm talking, you do that too? Okay, neither do I. But there are some terrible people, Christians out there that do that, you know. Why? Because we take that urging from God and then we look through all of our perceived strengths and qualifications and skills, competencies, and we go, I don't have that one. But when you get baptized in the Spirit, think about this. All of a sudden, you're here, mild-mannered, you and I, you're praying at the altar, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit washes over you. And all of a sudden, when you end the spot, you know God's presence. That's not arrogant. How many would raise a hand out of Thanksgiving and say, I do, I know the presence of God, right? Okay? You don't, like when he moves upon you, you don't go, who is this? You know, you know who he is, right? And so you know his presence, and when his presence is upon you, urging and prompting comes from deep within. Out of that place of God's presence comes this prompting for you to say some words that you don't understand, and it challenges your proud human intellect that says, I must not embarrass myself, you know? Which is funny, because haven't your most embarrassing moments come out of your poor decisions? You know? Um, I mean, not me, but you. Oh, good night, man alive. I've had so many of them. I've preached entire messages with my fly down and my shirt tail hanging out the front. Like, what in the world? What kind of idiot, you know? I'm like, people are laughing. I thought they just thought my jokes were funny, but it wasn't. I was, they were like, that guy's a stooge, you know? <laughs> fallen off of platforms. I've fallen off of platforms because I kind of like to dangle my toes. And um, I've fallen off of platforms, no joke, as high as eight feet high onto dirt and sawdust, like a big camp meeting thing. And it was hot and sweaty when I got up. I stood up and I looked like the straw man from the Wizard of Oz. It all stuck to my perspiration, you know. I mean, and that's just the scratch on the surface of the dumb things I've done. When we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's not that he embarrasses us. Actually, that's the opportunity for us to look the best we've ever looked, if you want to call it that way. To be the best version of what God has called us to be. 
And the idea here is that you're not out of control. He doesn't sneak up and, you know, manual override hit the joystick and make you do something. The Bible makes it clear he only prompts us. Let me show you this, then we're going to go to prayer. Go to the next one, if you would. So Acts 2-4 is the verse in the Bible that gives us the most packed details of what's going on. They were all filled, and that word filled in the Greek has the idea of saturated and overflowed. For us, filled is always an interior thing, but this supersedes that. It's gully-washed, drenched, flooded, right, with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues. Other there is heteros, another of an entirely different type, kind. Tongues is glossa, language. It's like most people think of it as like, you know, the thing in your mouth, um, like the, the worship leader, uh, uh, Gene Simmons. But it's not that at all. It's, it's just like your mother tongue, your language. They began to speak in another of a different kind language. So Paul would later on amplify this and roll the focus when he called it literally the unknown tongue, unknown to you, the speaker. It's designed to be an intentional humility point for you and I to say, I trust the presence and leading of God, the prophecy and promise of Jesus more than I trust my own judgment right now. And I'm willing to say something simply because I know the word of God and I know the presence of the spirit, the voice of God, and I'm gonna follow that and do it even though my brain is putting up every kind of red flag, I'm going to participate in the leading of God. It's huge vulnerability. They began to speak with another of a different kind language, other tongues, as the Holy Spirit was giving them utterance. And that word utterance there is a really cool word, and it's a word play Luke picks up in writing of Acts. It actually is kind of, it's like one of his big words he pulls out that has a developed theme. He's the only author in the New Testament that uses it. It's this Greek word, apothengami, and there's no test on the Greek. Though how many of you know the most important Greek word every Christian needs to cling to is baklava? How many of you know that word? <laughs> Again, sorry, keto people. You, you miss out on the blessings. But um, this, this apo thengamai, apo, like apostle, which is this sent out person, apo is to send. Thengamai is data or urging or leading or instruction. It's that word outside of the Bible in first century Greek literature is used to describe the action of the prompter in a play when the actors forget their lines. The idea is that someone else is telling you what to say. Because you normally speak out of your own understanding. But now they began to speak in another of a different kind language as the Holy Spirit was urging them, guiding them, prompting them to speak. That helps us to know what's going on because he's trying to help us to see, hey, when you get in that spot, you're not looking to you know, get zapped by God like it's some bad drug trip. But instead, you're looking to get into a spot of spiritual sensitivity where Jesus is pouring out his Holy Spirit upon you. And then when you get in that spot, you look for his prompting. And you're willing in that protected moment of deep personal encounter and devotion, when you're heightened in your awareness of the Spirit, to begin to vet that and go, you know, I didn't have this prompting when I was eating Taco Bell earlier today. But now that I'm praying about this thing from the Bible, and now that the Holy Spirit is being poured out upon me, I'm very aware of his presence. I now am getting this urging to say, I'm going to follow God and say it. Yeah. You could say, this is probably not super theological, but you could say a lot of people in their process of being baptized in the Spirit, they kind of think in tongues before they actually act upon it and speak in tongues. You know? Um, but you get that urging. Some people are just so wide open. They're just like, here we go, God. Cannonball in the deep end. And I love people like that. I'm not one of them, but I'm kind of a slower paced person on that. But that's cool. There's no hurry. But the whole idea of this is not that you get tongues. The idea of this, that oppo thing in my word is super cool. This word play that picks up. If you're reading the book of Acts and the Koine Greek, this jumps out at you. Ten verses later, the crowd amasses around this 
people speaking in these, all these different languages. 13 of them are actually recognized languages at the time. We don't know the other ones. But 13 of them are recognized by bilingual eavesdroppers. We hear you declaring the wonders of God. Amazing, right? Huge. Then when Peter realizes we've amassed a crowd, he stands up and he declares and begins to speak to the crowd. That word declared is not the Greek word for declare or preach or caruso would probably be the normal Greek verb for preach or declare. It's he gave the apothingamai. When Luke is writing this, he's trying to get you to see if you can trust God to guide you to speak in the unknown tongue on a private prayer meeting, how much more can you afterwards trust him to guide your known language to speak to other people? This is as functional as it gets. God wants your mouth. He wants to guide your words. So eh, I've preached long enough. It's 1130. All right, so um, can I have some of the musicians come back up? Probably won't sing. We'll just play if that's okay. But I'd, I'd like to have the band up playing a song. Maybe, um, uh, I don't know. Kind of in a Van Halen mood. How about Panama? It'd be like a mission song. All right? All right. Okay, do me a favor. Stand up right now in your seats. Sorry, I'm not super inspirational. It's just kind of the way it is. Communication, not so great. But if you'll pray, Jesus will pour his Holy Spirit out on you and you'll never be the same again. Okay, so do me a favor, take a stretch, reach up as high as you can, rock up on your toes, stretch out your carcass. This is not a spiritual exercise, just stretch out your carcass. Okay, now reach down as low as you can, put both hands on the ground. Now put one foot straight up over your head, then the other one. You got it? Okay. Okay, so I want to ask you seriously, would you pray with me for like 10 or 15 minutes? Would you? Okay. And I want to ask you, would you intentionally give God your best effort and energy that you've given anyone all week? Your mind's going to want to wonder and whatever, and your train may get off the track. Just put it back on. In fact, if you'll just quietly pray out loud or, you know, you'll find it's really easy to keep your train of thought. That's a huge key, by the way, in prayer. Just pray out loud and it's, you keep your train of thought. But we're going to pray and call on the Lord. Some of you tonight, you're going to encounter Jesus as your spirit baptizer for the first time. Um, there are probably some that will pray and seek. And just because of kind of the way you're wired up, you're a little more private, you'll come up here and you'll pray. But yielding to that language in front of God and everybody, not that people are looking at you because there's a lot going on, but yielding to that is maybe you just need to be alone. You'll go as far as you need to go tonight and then on the way home in your truck, or in the laundry room, all of a sudden tonight, you'll pray and say, Jesus, I take that soft pause, pour your spirit out upon me. And right there in that quiet place of just you and him without all that distraction and whatever, that will fully happen. There's no prize. Whoever gets baptized in the spirit gets a Ferrari or whatever. Not like that at all. Um, there's no hurry. In fact, God wants to, Paul said, baptize us in the spirit all the days of our life to remain in that state, to stay under the waterfalls. So it's no big deal. There's no striving. There's no achievement. There's nothing like that. We're just drawing near. So would you just join me right where you're standing? Would, would you just begin to draw near to Jesus with me? Jesus, you're amazing. <sighs> you call me out of my puny inabilities. You see right through all my pride and insecurities. And, and you call me to be better than I can be by myself to live a life of huge impact, to live a life I don't deserve to live that shows your light and love to everyone I'm around. You turn my mess of a life into a story and a testimony of your goodness and transforming power. Lord, there's none like you. There's none like you. 
Come on, while you just continue to thank the Lord for a moment, maybe there's someone in this room you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Honestly, that's why all of this is here. For you to have a moment to experience the saving power of Jesus. The Bible tells us it's, it's very simple to get right with God or get saved. We simply have to repent, talk to Jesus and vulnerability and say, I've sinned against you and I can't fix that because sin is a spiritual problem, not a physical one. And then to put your trust in him, to believe, to have faith, and he'll help you with that. How many of you tonight would say, you know what, I know I'm not living in a right relationship with God, but I really want to. Would you just wave a hand at me? I won't embarrass you, but yeah, oh, I'm so excited for you. Pastor Mark, I wonder over the years, how many thousands of people have come to know Jesus through the ministry of this church? Wow. So I'm gonna pray a prayer of salvation and forgiveness. And if you wanna receive Christ, or maybe you feel you're far away, you wanna get back on track, you can pray with me. Honestly, your words would be fine. And it's not like you're gonna pray the wrong way. If you're talking to Jesus, asking for help, it's done. But sometimes people just want a friend to walk with them. And I'd be honored to be that friend if you wanna pray with me. And if you already know Jesus, how many wave a hand say, I already know Jesus, right? Okay, then I want you to ask him for a fresh cleansing right now. Would you do that? You ignore me if you already know Jesus and you just begin out loud, don't be silent. If you pray silent, I pray your car doesn't start, all right? So come on, call out to him right now. Ask him for a fresh cleansing. If you wanna give your life to Jesus, you could pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against others. I've even sinned against myself. And I cannot fix that, but you can. Savior, would you save me and wash me clean and turn me into your dwelling place where your spirit lives? Give me a brand new start. I now belong to you, King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, come on, without begging and pleading and singing a million songs, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time, or if you have some experience that you're like, I kind of think it happened. It might've been like the one night at youth camp and I was already tired and I wasn't really sure and it's been years ago. You'd be surprised how many people live with a big question mark over this thing. Tonight, you can erase the question mark. You want to experience for the first time. I want you real quick to get out of your seats and come and join me. The first people up here get free gift certificates to, no, not really. But come on, come on, come on, dive in, make room, because in a moment, we're going to invite prayer partners to come. I want to make sure there's plenty of room. Come on right up. Um, the last slide, would you put that slide on the screen and leave it there? And as people are coming, let me just show you what this is. It's the instruction, the three steps to receive. And you can just leave it up there the whole altar time. Can you hit me with that last slide? There we go. So step number one, seek. That's you. You choose to draw near. Just start climbing the mountain of God. Slow down, relax. There's no anxious achievement here. There's no frustration. Just begin to draw near to Jesus. There's no special combination of words. I will unlock it. Just begin to draw near. And I encourage, if you can, to talk out loud to him. You don't have to yell or scream, but just lift your voice, all right? Just draw near. Come on, we got plenty of room. People are still coming. People are still coming. Okay, then step number two, fine. You're gonna find that God's gonna respond to you and pretty soon the Holy Spirit's gonna fall upon you. And honestly, this happens typically pretty fast. You know what God's presence feels like. He stirs you inside, lights you up inside where no one else can. And when the Spirit falls upon you, your job is not to keep on talking in the language you know and keep the ball in the air. Your job when you sense God's Spirit, that's like God hitting it back to you is to quiet down. You're not looking in your thinking process, in your own known language, in your problem solving, in your theology. Look, draw all of your attention to the presence of God and all of a sudden, 
he'll start sending you the utterance, the urging. Some people immediately, all of a sudden, out of the blue, there's just the awareness of bubbles out of God's presence of some couple crazy sounds or words. Some people actually have, they know what to say. And right away your brain goes, oh, that's dumb and that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, because your brain doesn't speak the language. But others just know they need to speak. They feel this urging, but they don't know what to say. All you have to do in that moment is just in your brain, tell yourself, my mouth is no longer an English speaker, it's just a trumpet. Take a deep breath, open up your mouth, relax, and let the sound of who cares what it is, just let it out and relax. It will kick in, it always does. Your brain will go, this is really strange, and your spirit will be going, woohoo, as you yield to God. God's trying to give you the sign. He's giving you the new superpower of supernatural language because he's gonna guide your voice in the days to come. How many of you want a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit? Come on, right now where you're at, can we just begin to lift our voices? You told me you give God 10 or 15 minutes. Come on, let's just do it. Prayer partners, you want to join me? Come on, maybe some of you want to even come on the platform and face folks, you can do that. All right, if you're saved, you're fully qualified. The Holy Spirit's going to move in waves of intensity. He'll move very powerfully over you. Then he'll give you a chance to kind of catch your breath and process. Keep on praying. He'll wash over you again and again and again. Yeah, awesome, awesome. fantastic service. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at True North Church.